hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour in this rainy night in Montgomery. Joining me this evening, excuse me folks, I, I've had a long day. This is going to be an interesting show. But joining me this evening, you might know him if you listen to Greg, and I hope you do, uh, his fiance. I've gotten to know him by his real name, Eric. Yes. So is it going to be Eric Trahan going forward, or... Eric Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's yeah, a stupid question. That, that was a, something I joked about. Yeah? When, yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would pick on her about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Me being Eric Hayes. My family didn't raise me uh, to, like, cherish the Clark last name. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd imagine if I get married, it's I'm not dropping the last name, just as is tradition. But I'm not that dedicated to it. Yeah. Like if it was a really cool last name, might have to jump into it. I don't know why. Uh, my my lineman teacher uh, coach in high school. I can't remember his name because I didn't play that long. But he was he was fascinated by Trahan. He, That's a cool last He name. thought it was a perfect name for the back of a jersey. Have you done much research in terms of ancestry? One of my roommates is real big on that. He's been going nuts with it. No. <laughs> you know, I I know the people who I've met. You know, I, uh, my papa died when I was like 10, and I got to meet his paternal twin brother hmm. from Louisiana, which was really weird because that's when I learned that in Montgomery, I'm a Trahan. In Louisiana, I'm a Trahan. And so I, I thought that was really weird. But it was one of those weird things because you're 10, and this guy doesn't look exactly like my papa, <laughs> right. but all of his mannerisms are the same. So it's like in spirit. Yeah, there's something there. But yeah, huh. it was weird. That is odd. It's Ancestry is an odd thing because... There are one thing, it's one thing to have the family tales, like, this is what our ancestry is, mm-hmm. but then there are a lot of surprises, mm-hmm. like, for instance, my roommate, he, for the longest time, says, I'm a quarter Italian, because my mom's side came over from Italy, and, you know, that they really did come over from Italy, but he did the DNA test. Oh, is he one of those, like, it's not what he thought it was? Yeah. Of? Really? Yeah, he is more British than the average British citizen. And those people who came from Italy, they did come from Italy. There's documentation, but they weren't Italians. Yeah. 
So it gets always more complicated, and it's interesting, especially because he's British. There's a lot of documentation, and he can go back to early days of the Republic all the way into uh, you know the history of Great Britain and England. So it's pretty interesting. I mean, it takes some work, and it is it's not exact science because sometimes the more information that comes in, the program starts interlocking differently. Yeah, it's, it's best guesses and possibility. One day, I'd like to know. But, you know, as far as I know, my dad's dad is Cajun from, you know, Louisiana, met my grandmother in Germany during the war, and they got married. So, grandmother's German, I want to say Bauer. Mm, That's a good strong name, like Jack Bauer. But uh, (laughs) father was born in Germany, and then, like, months after he was born, they they got shipped to Alaska, I want to say. And then he kind of, like, they kind of worked their way across to Wetumpka, Alabama. Right. That's not a bad spot to live. No, land, it's actually. not. But it is humble. Yeah. I would put it that way. It's humble. Um, yeah, I sometimes get all, I don't know, self-conscious about, like, when I went to that conference last summer, mm-hmm. and people were like, yeah, I'm from Los Angeles. I'm, I'm a composer. I'm from New York. I'm from all these places, like Vegas. I'm like, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama. How you guys doing? You know, I can't even say that, though. Right. Because I'm from Mil- I'm Millbrook. I mean, of course, I was born at St. Margaret's near Montgomery. But for when I, when I moved to Andalusia years ago, when I tried, the only thing I could do, I got used to saying I'm from near Montgomery. Because nobody knows in, in the South knows where Millbrook is. Not really. I could say I'm, I'm north of Montgomery, east of Pravel. It might as well be Montgomery. And it's not that bad of a drive. Most of the people that listen to us actually are north of Montgomery like yeah. that. So I, it's uh, interesting how much those, like Pravel, Millbrook, Wetumpka, have all been built up. Oh, yeah. In the last two, three decades. It's unreal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've lived here all my life almost. So I've watched all of this stuff grow and it's just been well and i feel for the people in Wetumpka after that tornado yeah. came through i i've actually experienced that and not a personal way i've never had a home it but my place of work i worked for two three years when i was in high school here in montgomery at fun zone and one morning we went there early i got there like five thirty-six in the morning before school and we shot a commercial which essentially consisted of us playing games and rolling around on the skating rink and mm-hmm. the camera crew filmed us and i go into school and it is a utter downpour kind of not worse than tonight it was like okay this is dangerous to be driving in that sort of storm i get to school then the uh tornado sirens start going off and they you know shuffle us into the hallway i never understood the like heads down butts up thing i guess it's to protect your neck but I always found it to be a little silly. I I don't know. I always hated it because I've always been a fat kid. So getting in that <laughs> position was just uncomfortable. <laughs> I got to get you on this yoga, bro, brother. <laughs> yeah. And, but anyway, we're sitting there. They finally realize it's relenting in our area. So they, we stayed in the hallway, but they let us just sit. Yeah. In comes strolling. I don't think he's any with us anymore, but uh, I won't say his last name. But Michael comes strolling in. And he was late to school. And he walks up to myself and Troy, who's on Monday nights with mm-hmm. me often. And one of my roommates, Jonathan, also worked there at Fun Zone. Like, I, 
I opened the door and they're like, do you have any other Catholic boys, good Catholic boys that want to come work for us? I'm like, yeah, sure. So it was like a whole group of us who worked there. Yeah. He walks in, sees us and goes, dude, Fun Zone's gone. I'm like, what the hell do you mean Fun Zone's gone? It's like an industrial building. Yeah. And uh, it was completely destroyed for the most part. We still had a job. They let us uh, kind of work for pay cleaning it up because they had yeah. pretty good insurance. But it was meant to withstand a tornado. It was meant to withstand any weather event, but what happened is a car was picked up. It's how these storms make you feel so powerless. Yeah. And it punctured the roof, and this huge steel roof was lifted, dropped, and the steel beams collapsed in. Yeah. That's one of those things that, like, Mythbusters taught me, was, like, tornado... Proof Perfect, structures yeah. are awesome until you get that dent in it and it, right. it ruins the, the structure of it. Right. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'd seen the devastation at Fun Zone. I can't start to comprehend. I can almost, but if it's your church, if it's your house, and luckily people in Wetumpka are so tight knit and ready to go, that we were putting out information here on the radio, but a lot of people are saying, we have enough volunteers, thank you very much. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great tight-knit community. You know, for the longest time growing up here, uh, I was one of those people that would kind of crap on Montgomery in the area. I never mm. felt like I belonged. And the older I get, obviously I realize this is just really a personal problem. It's not really... Montgomery's got its issues. All the, Every place has its issues. But if you only focus on the negative, it's always Montgomery the mundane. It's more than nothing to do. I think you're you're setting yourself up for not having a good time. And I've yeah. learned to like the place and like the community as much as I still am a hermit. Yeah. I, I You know, I, I grew up here. I grew up in Millbrook. Been here... I, I, the The first time I was married... We moved to her hometown in Andalusia, and that was the only other time that I moved away from Millbrook. And I went from being Millbrook 15 miles down the road from Montgomery to Andalusia, where there are like 600 miles of dirt road oh, yeah. in the county. That's and where my dad's side of the family's from. You got to go to Enterprise or Pensacola to do something fun. Right. That's you know? truly in the country, yeah. Andalusia. Yeah, we'd go down. There's old farmhouse where my grandfather, and my dad's side, grew up. And again, I've said this on air before, but I come from you know really good stock hog farmers in Andalusia <laughs> and Polish immigrants in the ghettos of Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, really good stock. No, but my my grandfather, my parents, uh, they've blessed me in many ways. So I you know I think it's ungrateful to say the least. It could be kind of like crapping on the, the place I was born. And you know, I've, I've changed my mind. It's like, okay, learn to be happy where you are. And if you want something better, go for it. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm getting off topic here because I came in with a little bit of, you know, the classic Master of Puppets. Yes. You went and saw Metallica last night in Birmingham, yes. right? Yes, in Birmingham. How was it? It was freaking incredible. We, I mean, me and Seth went last year and saw A Perfect Circle, and the setup for that was a third of the arena. This, this setup for Metallica was the entire arena. It was like theater in the round. Almost. Right. The, you know, uh, they, the stage was in the middle, and at the four corners and the four sides of the stage was a mic. And so James would just walk around and 
play and sing to everybody and it was it was great i was able to get a video of uh moth into flame yeah where they released these synchronized drones that performed aerobatics over the stage wow yeah it was incredible that is amazing it, it was really awesome lots of fire yeah that was cool. That's always... And this is the BJCC? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've, I've been in that arena a few times. I saw Trans-Siberian Orchestra there. Went to SmackDown Live, brother, brother. Uh, and saw some wrestling there, which is probably similar to the setup you saw. Probably. Uh, one side, one side of the arena would be closed off for the entrance, yeah. if you're thinking of a wrestling setup. But, yeah, that is... I'm a little. I wish I could have gone. I know I had the opportunity, but yeah. with work and money, and you, you know how it gets in the way. Um, but yeah, that sounds. That's. I'm trying to plan my brother's bachelor party, and we're going to do something that week. Yeah. I'm the best man, but he's pretty low key like I am. So we're going to do something there that week up in Saratoga Springs, New York. But I got to figure something out. Yeah, I mean, I. Me and Seth wouldn't have done this if he hadn't won tickets. Right. So, you know, like last year sometime. But it was uh, our buddies Nigel and Josh went to go, so they bought, you know, some upper-level tickets and all that stuff. It was really it was really good. I really liked it. Jim Brewer was the opener. The comedian. Yeah. That's awesome. Because, you know, he's he's <laughs> been with Metallica. He's loved Metallica since the beginning, since like 82, 83. And... Uh, he it was it was nice he did he didn't really do a stand up show it was he was more of an MC but just you know talking to the crowd and all that stuff he was it was good it was fun that's that's awesome I, I mean I I've told this story before but I was a little burnt out on Metallica because of our football coach at Catholic. oh yeah and in particular he would just play the Black Album yeah every pregame. As we're you know, putting on our pads, some guys drink way too much pre-workout beforehand. <laughs> like, dude, you're going to be dehydrated. Don't do that. You're going to throw up. But, uh, yeah, it would always sad but true. And I got a little burnt out, but uh, I've been checking out some of the classics. been on this, as I've told you, this kick of, you know, sort of the classic rock bands. It doesn't matter really from what era. At this point, Metallica's classic rock. I mean, they're metal, yeah. really, but they're becoming of classic status. Because I'd imagine, did they have any new stuff out lately? Hard, that's the Hardwired uh, okay. to Self Destruct is a new album. And they, did they play the whole album? Bro? No, it was it was a, a set list of new and old. Um, I mean, I posted the video on Facebook earlier that where they ended the show on Inner Sandman. Yeah, uh, but. They they didn't. The only album that I mean, the, not the only the one album that I was hoping for is one of my favorites, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for it. <laughs> is Saint Anger, right? Yeah. But uh, they didn't play anything from that. But the everything they did play, it was great. Um, well, they're they're great musicians. They put, sounds like they put on a great show on top of the music, oh, yeah. and yeah, it, there's a. Uh, Something about that release, you know. I'm glad you're here tonight because I think if I was up here by myself, I would have. I'm I'm feeling angry, and not like it. it it's a bad type of anger. It's not like I'm angry at a person who did me wrong. You're angry at the world. 
and it, it yes, and it's just like a general feeling like I want to. <laughs> well, and it actually comes from a place of worry, and also the fact that I have to cover news every day. It does get to you, and I try to offset that and release this anger. I mean, certain things like you know working out, you feel good after that, endorphins mm-hmm. get going, but. Uh, I also try to read to understand how the media works. And I just read a fascinating article where a guy, his job is essentially researching digital media. And he works for a nonprofit, which, yeah, I guess it's different strokes for different folks. Exactly. Yeah, because that does <laughs> not sound like fun to me. But he noticed, and there's a lot of researchers that were kind of backing up his point, is. Digital media is obviously becoming more of the source for revenue or legacy publications, even like the New York Times, the Washington Post. People aren't buying physical newspapers hardly anymore. Yeah. So they're going to digital. And yeah, if I was saying this earlier today. There are some great things. If you remove it from the political section, you can find great articles on the New York Times. Like there was one the other day on... They interviewed 30, 40 people who are incredibly successful in all sorts of lines of work and life. And what's your morning routine? And what are the common denominators between all these successful people? Mm -hmm. That's a great article. The one about uh, Colin O'Brady who traversed Antarctica without wind aid of a kite or anything to propel him across the ice. That came from the New York Times in their reporting. There's really good stuff if it's just... Here's a reporter, here's your assignment, you got two, three months to write a piece on it, or as it happens, if it's an event, like a guy trying to traverse Antarctica. <laughs> and that stuff's awesome, and so there's this like disconnect between that, what's still really good journalism, think pieces out there, and the political crap. And what this guy who does digital media analysis for this nonprofit, what they're finding is most of the sites have learned it's... Like, anger profiteering is one term for it. That they've learned that people, to get them to click on something, to get them to share something. And that's how... I've used to... I've written for these sites before, where you get paid by the click, by Mm -hmm. the look. And so, to get those people to go to your site, so you can tell advertisers, look, this is how many eyeballs we have in front of our website... You have to do something to get them there. And they're finding anger is very effective. Sometimes awe is like if it's a positive shocking emotion like oh my goodness this is so amazing yeah but most of the time those stories are few and far between for some reason people especially these days don't focus on the positive and all the progress we've made and i don't mean progress in political sense like poverty has fallen Mm -hmm. like all sorts of things that are incredible even in the last 10 years so because they're profiting off anger like that's what gets people to share content that's what gets people to click on content they're manufacturing it. And what I'm worried about, and I said it earlier, it reminds me of a wrestling term. You ever heard of the term working yourself into a shoot? No. So wrestling's got all sorts of jargon, I've learned. And so a work is essentially their way of saying it's fake. So you go watch a match, it's a work. Mm-hmm. They both understand where they need to go. They're telling each other moves. Maybe they're calling on the fly. Maybe they've really meticulously you know, drawn out, you know, you go into armbar and, okay, I'll hit you in the knee or whatever. They, 
they do it all sorts of different ways. Depends on the the workers. Yeah. But a work is essentially it's fake, it's scripted, it's not real. A shoot is real. So if somebody's actually hitting you or actually pissed off at you and yelling at you, it's a shoot interview or a shoot fight. Gotcha. So working yourself into a shoot means you start off doing a work. It's fake. And you're supposed to both understand. Say both guys fighting are supposed to both understand this is fake. And even if I might say something that hits close to home, we're just doing it for the show, man. Some guys, though, go so far and get so into character, they work themselves into an actual fight or, in other words, a shoot. Yeah, so it's like in kindergarten when Bobby playfully hits Susie right. and then she gives him a black eye. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Within these days, it's like, yeah, you kind of deserved it, Bobby. Yeah. Um, does Kira do Has Kira ever hit a guy? She should if he actually hit her. I, no, I don't... We don't have many conversations about boys. Oh, that's actually probably refreshing. I, it's, <laughs> well, you know, there's, you know, when she's with me, I'm a little more lax. So, like on the weekends, I don't have a, a structured bedtime thing. So when I wake up in the morning and I go to wake her up and her phone's on FaceTime with somebody and they're both asleep... And the name is Baby. Oh no! So I, it, I don't know. I just like I turn it off. You don't want to pry too much. Yeah. you know, but you don't yeah. want to like mess with it. I, no. That's that's good. That makes a lot of sense. I don't want to helicopter parents. It usually doesn't end well. Um, but I bring up working into a shoot because the media, given that they rely so much now on anger, mm-hmm. they are purposely trying to make you angry, much like a heel in wrestling. The whole job is to get the crowd to hate them. Not hate them for a little bit. Not hate them in a way that you're never going to go watch them again, but hate them in a way that you keep coming back to boo them. Mm -hmm. You just don't like them. And the best way to do that in wrestling, I think in life, the classic heel is the one that lies, cheats, and steals. But here's what I'm worried about. Is if the media continues to go, ooh, our bread and butter, our cash cow is pissing people off. And even if I know I'm, 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 ex- I'm being hyperbolic, I'm exaggerating, I, I know I'm being uncharitable, but I'm trying to win and demonize the other side and make a lot of money for the company. Do my job. To a certain extent, I guess that's fine. But I feel like we're working ourselves into a shoot. The shutdown has continued. Yeah. People are... What's happened this week or over the weekend with the the kids wearing the MAGA hats, the Covington County, Kentucky Catholic school boys, mm-hmm. which... All boys school, man. I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I could handle that. I don't know. What, what was... Uh, what was your school like? I don't... My school's here in Montgomery. Montgomery Catholic. It was really small. I think my class was like 70 when yeah. it graduated. And it was... Boys and girls, a lot of the people I knew since kindergarten. Yeah. Like, the guys I'm living with, I've known since, like, second, third grade. Um, And, you know, yeah, it was a good mix. And it was, I mean, co-ed, there was a mix of boys and girls. And we really didn't see much of the clergy. Like, we did if we go to mass or something together. And there would be, like, official masses each week and these sorts of things. 
but there weren't nuns teaching classes. They might have a priest teach like Catholic morality or something like that, but it was pretty much it's still a Catholic school. Like you have religious classes, yeah. But for the most part, it wasn't as uh, domineering as the the stereotype of the nuns hitting gotcha. the rulers. It was it was pretty much a normal school, small yeah. private school, and. I I wouldn't change it for the world. That's why when I kept hearing like these Catholic boys, and number one, I think they've been really done wrong. I think that lawyer should sue. All the death threats, the threats to docs, and let's punch the kid in the face. It's again people working themselves into a shoot mm-hmm. because it could be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna punch that Nazi in the face. I'm gonna punch that Trump supporter in the face. Yeah, okay, you talk a big game on Twitter. You talk a big game on the Book of Faces. You go and actually start punching somebody in the face, it's not going to stop with somebody punching you back. Because that's the easy thing that's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to start with people ended up dead. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, fighting is no joke. No. Especially when you're talking about not just individuals pissed off at each other. It's... Like, an individual who represents this larger group of people that have nothing to do with you punching it. And so it creates resentment and more anger. And it goes beyond, oh, we're just playing politics and yelling at each other and trying to win, to, oh, we're about to actually have a legitimate fight Mm -hmm. with thousands of people who hate each other. And so... I, I, I see what these Catholic kids are going through. I, the more I learn about the Native American elder, doesn't seem like he actually did a tour in Vietnam. Like he was in the military during Vietnam, but he didn't serve over there. See, I, I aside from seeing the picture with the kid smiling and the Native American standing in front of him, that is the extent of my knowledge of that situation. Right, and, uh, well, apparently the whole video shows, and it, the bit large and longest video is from the perspective of a group called the Black Hebrew Israelites. And they are a, even the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, regards them as a hate group. They're a separatist group. And I think they, I don't, I'm not intimately familiar with their beliefs, even if it's kooky, I'm not going to mischaracterize it, but they claim to be like a part of a lost tribe of Israel or something mm-hmm. like that. And they are also known for being very provocative in their public protests. So they were calling the kids, like, incest babies, future school shooters. Mm. And the kids from the Catholic school wearing the MAGA hats were simply just congregating in front of the Lincoln Memorial because they just got done with the March for Life. And so that's where they're waiting for their bus. And there were chaperones there. There were teachers there for the whole march and for the field trip, essentially. And so it starts, this video, from the perspective a black Hebrew Israelite is filming this. Mm -hmm. And you can hear all these insults being thrown at the Catholic boys. And it goes on like that for a while. And then the Catholic boys start responding like, let's do school chants. Which, in response, so we don't just have to sit here and take it. And one of the chants was like almost the samoan like warrior channel like, <laughs> like it's when you see a huge group of people doing it it's kind of cool yeah. to see also a little intimidating and that's when the native american elder phillips claims that he heard like the well his initial statement is that the black guys were the prey and these white guys were the predators and i wanted to get in between the predator and its prey 
Okay. And so and the video shows him walking into the crowd, beating his drum, him walking into the crowd, like in the middle of the Catholic schoolboys until essentially the young man with the smirk or whatever his expression was is didn't move. Yeah. And so Phillips, the Native American elder, is like, how would you feel, Eric? You're a pretty level-headed, calm guy. If I just walked up to you, in the midst of you being called all sorts of names and all that, it's a weird day anyway. Yeah. And I'm like a few inches from your face, like, doom, 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 just staring you down. Is that somebody trying to defuse a situation? It's just weird in general. Yeah. Now, some of the defenses that I've heard the Catholic schoolboys giving interviews... Oh, no, we go to Catholic school. We are taught not to be disrespectful. None of us would ever do anything disrespectful. Oh, give me a break. Cow turds. Yeah, give me a break. Of course, you're kids. You're young teenage boys. <clears throat> of course you do mischievous things or else you're not living. Yep. So I, the whole thing, it should be just a weird day in Washington, D.C. Because all sorts of weird protests go on all the time there. But instead, in our current culture, because we're so worked up with this anger profiteering, the media lives off this stuff because it's what's making them money. It becomes this big symbol for the rifts in the nation. It's not a kid and an older gentleman and these. It's, it's, no, it's not these individuals. These people represent this whole group of millions of people. And this guy represents the legacy of the indigenous peoples of America being oppressed by the white man. And, and it becomes these ridiculous tropes. In my mind, collectivist ones where individuals just aren't allowed. It, it can't be that people have individual motivations. Right. It's got to be part of some larger narrative. And again, we're working ourselves into a shoot. If this is where we keep going, where it's not individuals, it's these political groups that are always ready to do battle, it's not going to end well. And mm -hmm. no wonder we have this shutdown. The reason we have the shutdown is because essentially it's what the most vocal people in American politics want. And I'm not talking about the people running things, I'm talking about the voter. Yep. So that's why I'm, I'm just, why I'm angry. I'm not angry at, at any given situation. I'm just a little frustrated and like, Folks, we don't have to do this, but we continue to do it. Right. I I feel your anger. <laughs> it's I don't have near the words to articulate everything that you just said, but I understand it, and that's what it. Uh, can't we all just get along, <laughs> Rodney King? <laughs> that's what what comes to mind. <laughs> Oh it, man! It's, I, I don't. I, I don't understand. I mean, I understand that media needs to get a reaction. Yeah, and hate is one of the easiest reactions to provoke. The fact that they're now profiting from that does make my blood boil a little bit. Yeah, and I have no problem with profit. But I think this current model, where it's like instant social media reaction, right. that's what's leading. It's the infrastructure of our media. Right. 
It's how it, it's just how it works right now, and there's probably a way we can fix it. And what does give me hope is again back to this guy who does the digital media research mm-hmm. at this nonprofit. He says most people actually aren't that angry. It's just that the media and social media, because it again works into that system, amplify the angry voices. So I think there are actually more people out there feeling like I do, just kind of frustrated, like what are we doing, and. There's actually a very small minority, maybe 10%, 20%, I'll give them, that are actually angry and ready to go fight on the Washington Mall, you know. So that gives me hope. It's like, okay, well, most people I meet in my real life, even if they vehemently disagree with me politically, are good people. They're doing the best they can. This always takes me back to Men in Black. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones sitting on the bench with Will Smith, and he says... A person is smart. People are stupid. Mm, amen. And it's it's I I believe that, but I also believe that the way everything has our culture has developed now, we it's one person stands up for something and no matter what their position, if you look or talk or wear the same watch as that person, you that's you're falling behind them. Right. You are now part of that group. Yeah. And it's it's not like that at all. Well and it's one thing if you actually do share the same ideas. It's another thing when it's like these immutable characteristics you can't change, like what you look like. Yeah. And I thought that's what we should get away from. Your you know, the your sex at birth. All sorts of things like you can't necessarily change. If that's now going to become something of major political significance, which it has become that, yep. it's not going in well. We have to be able to connect on ideas, and that's where you have arguments about ideas, not writing people off because of their identity or their collective group. Mm-hmm. It just won't end well. But we got to hit a break here, and before we do talk about one of the sponsors of the show great guy eddie bader now not only does eddie want to be your buyer's agent folks your buyer's real estate agent he also wants to be your full service realtor eddie bader wants to help you you the listeners list your homes and properties to sell and when it comes to selling your home eddie bader wants you to know what sets him apart from other realtors He'll meet with you quickly after you contact him. I mean, he's always, like, ready to go. Even if he doesn't pick up the phone immediately, he'll call you right back. He'll take the time to get to know you, assess your property, assist you suggesting any repairs or innovations. It'll make sure that house gets top dollar in the market and sells quickly. It'll also help you present a good open house. And if you really are interested, and I think it's important to build up a good relationship, he's going to tell you, here's how I came up with the figure I think we should open out on the market. Here's the price I think your house is going to get. Mm-hmm. And he's not just going to give it to you. He's going to explain, here's what's going on in the market. He's going to make sure your listing is on the Goodson Group website, Zillow, Trulia, Facebook, and all sorts of other services. And when it comes to doing a successful open house, he's done a few before. He has the experience. So he'll walk through you, uh, not walk through, you, walk (laughs) through the whole process with you. All the dirty details and paperwork you should expect. But he's not the type of realtor, folks, that's going to have you sign a contract immediately, hammer a sign in your yard, and just wait by the phone. That's not how Eddie works. Heck, he's got me. 
<laughs> if it's a great home, we're going to be talking about it on air. So if you're looking for, for not just a buyer's agent, but a seller's agent, a full-service realtor, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. His number, 322-0662. Again, that number, folks, 322-0662. Well, we got to hit this break. I was going to say something else, but we've already wasted <laughs> way too much time. Joey Clark. Clark. Oh, welcome back, folks. Yeah, I can pretend like I'm all frustrated, which I am. It's not pretend. This is a shoot display of frustration here, folks. But what I'm really looking forward to, number one, is a rehearsal and a rehearsal dinner and the wedding Saturday morning. And then Saturday night, NXT TakeOver. And Sunday night. The Royal Rumble kicking off the road to WrestleMania. <laughs> it's a good time of year to be a wrestling fan. Plus, you know, a new company started up called All Elite Wrestling, AEW. Really cool stuff going on, hmm. uh, just from a business point of view. And competition is always good. Um, tomorrow night, I might touch on an article I just found. Uh, it goes into the history of why we essentially have the electric guitar. And it, it has to do with competition between Fender and, I believe, Gibson. And... People like Jimi Hendrix wanting to innovate and have a certain type of sound. So the engineers and electricians were coming up with, okay, how do we pull this off for this guy? Yep. You know, a really cool story. I've only had a chance to kind of breeze over it real quick, so I'll present that tomorrow night. But I'm a big fan of you know electric guitars, and it's kind of a big part of my life. I'll have to share that story. And But the Royal Rumble, man, it's going to be good. And the lady wrestlers are good these years, too. Like They're not just eye candy anymore. I still can't get into it. you got to watch it with me sometime. Well, we'll try. Or what I'll have to do, if you're game, I'm not going to force you to do anything. Actually, I've got a gun. <laughs> We're watching it tonight. Um, no, is you should probably see the best it can be. Because I'll be honest, wrestling is like anything else, especially when they're doing something every week. It can be utter crap. Yeah. Not good. But when it's done really well, it's really good. To where I've even shown people, like, I don't like wrestling. What's this crap? And I'll show them a really good match, and they'll be like, oh! Like, and I'll catch them getting into it in the middle of it. So, I might have to show you some stuff. I've got something. I mean, it's, you can try. I'll try. Yeah, it's, it, I'm, not, I'm not, like, against it or anti-wrestling. Right. Just, I just, it, I can't get into it. I, I When I was a teenager, I was really into it. I, it's... Mom has worked for the cable company since okay, for 25 years or something like that. So we have always had all the cable channels, yeah, all the internet and all that stuff. And so I used to watch all the WCW pay-per-view stuff for free. Oh, that's awesome. I was always into it. Uh, and then I don't even know what happened. I got out of it. Oh, and that, that was me for... 20 years. Yeah. And then the last two, three, it's like, I just, it's something that I enjoy the stories. I enjoy the psychology. I enjoy 
because these days you can learn a lot about the business and the mm-hmm. history of the business. It's just, I don't know, it fascinates me. It's like, people really do this for a living? And it's a tough job. It really is. It's more the travel than the actual in-ring stuff, but it's a tough job. Um, and I just love any sort of performer stories. It's not always glamorous, but it's interesting. How do you get to that point where it's a big show and you're in front of 80,000 people? Yeah. And, yeah, I just love those sort of stories. And maybe it's me sort of branching out vicariously because I'm stuck in a studio all day, every day. And part of me wants to be that guy on the big, you know, in the squared circle. I don't you actually. Wanna, you want to have the tights on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't wear the tiny tights, like the, the trunks, mm-hmm. like the essentially a Speedo. I wouldn't go that route because you have to work out like crazy, number one. Yeah. I'd probably go the Shawn Michaels, like the the tight, like, trunks. Yeah. Like, just their full pants and you wear the boots. Yeah. I'd probably go that route. That's what Macho Man did. That's what Hogan did. Well, Steve Austin wore the the tidy things, and he was a man's man. I don't. I I feel like if I ever did that, I'd go like a big show, like a a one piece, like a big singlet. Yeah, that could be cool. A lot of the big guys now wear loose clothing because of advances in clothing. Even I got stuff that looks like jeans. It's actually really yeah. stretchy. So I mean, they've got. Costumes or outfits now, or it's like, well, you can wrestle in that? Yeah. Yes, you can. But uh, here, let's go to Marianne. She's been very patient and very complimentary. She, you always are, Marianne. Thank you for that. Yes, because I love your show. Well, thank you. And fiance, I love you too. Well, I love you too, Marianne. Because I love Emily. Or whatever she's being called today. She Isn't got Brittany a new great? Name this morning, I think. <laughs> I, I am so in love with, with Amy. Amy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, guys, hey, Eric, I am so happy for all for all of you, okay? I'm so looking forward to your new adventure for you and Emily Vogue. Okay? We are, too. Thank you. Now, Joey, i got to come back on a subject on you here now. All right. Honey, uh, I'm old. I, Joey, knows, Joey and my son graduated together, Eric. Yes. Okay? Now, I'm an alumni from that school because I'm old enough to see Joey's mom. Okay, mm-hmm. Joey, I want you to hold your head up and be proud of those young men. What happened over the weekend at that rally? Yeah, that was what it. That's what it's all. It was never a protest. That's a pro-life rally. That was all it was. Yeah, the march it for held life. every. My question to you is, why didn't you go when you were there in high school? They held it back then. I couldn't afford to pay for Mike. I don't know if I'm I a was, single parent. I I'm a single parent, and I've yeah. never been married. And I put him through 13 years of Catholic school on no child support. I honestly, Marianne, don't remember the the opportunity to go. I'm, I'm not. I believe you that there was one, but I've never been one it, to really want to march. I've never. I'm, I'm not big on parades. Well, the part that always got me about it, I couldn't afford to pay for Mike to go. But the part that got me about it was, you're doing this in January in the freezing cold. I don't right. want him up there in the snow. You know, go when it's a good time when you can get around to all, you know, the events. Well, I think, number one, Marianne, I do have kind of a a pet peeve of mine is marching and demonstrating. Mm. Like, I've only done it like once or twice in my life, and I felt like a complete fool. And I believed in what I was, you know, the sign I was holding up. 
But right. I think a lot of people, because MLK Day just happened, a lot of people look at what happened there in the late sixties, and they're, and they're always trying to connect it together. Well, they saw how effective it was, and so they're always trying to recreate it. And well, I don't think thing, those moments come together by just planning and organizing. Well, the other thing, I, the other reason I called was because of this, Joey. While you're getting frustrated why, over that event and while we're watching the government shut down again, okay? I mean, I'm not um, frustrated with it being shut down. Well, a lot of people aren't except for the ones that work there. Oh, well, yeah, okay? that's understandable. But, but at the same time, Joey, what I really... The reason I called is I want to change your eyesight because you're on social media so much more than I am. I'm on a computer eight hours a day with just the work that I do, okay? And I don't, I've got a flip phone, okay? I don't do apps. I don't, I don't do Facebook and that kind of stuff, okay? But I do, I do work on a computer, Okay. But for security reasons, I'm limited on anything I can see. What I listen to is I've got I can listen to an pocket AMFM radio with one bud in my ear. Nice. That's okay. how I get to listen to you all day. So as I tell you this, Joey, what I want you to do, I want you to open your eyes as well as your ears. Okay. In that, what you're witnessing, this is history in the making. And I am fascinated so much by all of it. It really is. Because of what happened before, Joey, like I said, I'm old enough to be your, I'm older than your mother. Mm -hmm. And I'm older than your father. Okay? And you and Mike are 30 years old. So, as I say this to you, the only other thing I can tell you is this. My mother did not graduate high school. She lacked six months of Catholic education graduating over in Mississippi, Mm -hmm. okay? But she had to go to work for her family to support them because her parents were elderly. Now, when she was in her 60s, which is where I'm at, I'll leave it there, I'm younger than Greg, but (laughs) when she was in her 60s, she got her GED here in Montgomery. And she made sure all of us, and she had six children, she made sure all of us had a high school diploma. So, the thing of it is, the girl that gave her her GED certificate said, you scored the highest on the history test. And mom said, well, I lived most of it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Joey, Liz, think about it. We are witnessing history with what's going on. up. It's It's a civil war up there. It's just a different kind than what happened in 1861. Well, thank God for that. Well, thank I God it's I not a shooting a perspective. I hope I give you a different perspective. Oh, no, I, I, I agree with you. you. This, is, this is history unfolding before our eyes. It's not always glamorous. And I, love, I love you so much, okay? I love your show. I love Blue Water. Thank you, Mr. Butter, whatever, Buttery Boy. The Buttery One, and Rick Peters, yeah. Eric, Emily, good luck, you guys. I'm praying for you guys. Have a wonderful adventure. Thank you. We will. Appreciate it, Mary. And Joey, you have a good adventure with your radio, okay? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I love you. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. That was very nice. I somehow feel a little chastised, though. A little bit. Yeah, it's fine. No, and I, I try to keep that perspective that history is unfolding for us. I try yeah. to have the long perspective. 
is nothing is new under the sun, right? I felt like that kid that's at your friend's house <laughs> and their mom's getting on to them, but you feel bad too, yeah, just because you're there and you're witnessing. Yeah. It. <laughs> Let's see what this is real quick. News talk here on there. Not much time. All right, Joey. This is Austin. Um, I just had a quick question. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, Beyonce probably in the beginning uh, appeared on your show uh, as a courtesy, as a friend. And I'm just curious, at this point, is Beyonce uh, compensated for his appearance on your show? No. No? Oh, you're such a good guy, man. No. I, I love Joey. He's in my wedding. He's He is part of the reason why me and Emily are where we are at. Him and Seth, they they helped to get us in the same room five feet away from each other. Well, and, and believe you me, Austin, I wish I had the money to compensate all sorts of people more than I could. No. I just, I enjoy doing this now. Yeah, I, I ask people and we have a good conversation, good little chit-chat. Yes, you guys do. You have an excellent rapport. Heck yeah, that I I've just always been curious. No, it doesn't no. hurt to ask. Uh, open book. Yeah. But uh, hey, guys, I'll let you wrap it up. Uh, safe journeys home in this rain, y'all. Y'all take it easy. You too, Austin. Awesome. Yeah, I, I wish I had money to just throw around. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I get paid as I do. I hope the boss isn't listening. <laughs> Please continue to pay me. Oh, man. What a- the one thing that I was thinking about that I want to get out before yeah. we go, Marianne, with the, everything that she was talking about, it, I, I thumb through Facebook and the, all that stuff every now and then, but something that really made me think about it was somebody said uh, that we worry about changing history if we ever got the opportunity to go back like you move a pin right. two inches to the left and then Hitler doesn't die or whatever. Right, the butterfly but, effect. But nobody thinks that the small thing that they do today won't affect the future. Well said. Well said. It's, it's about seeing the the small kind of ripple effects right. in our own lives. It's, a, it's why I'm so big on the individual before the group. We do belong to groups, but the individual is the one that actually makes them up. Yes. And it's the little things that create the big things in life. And on that note, I appreciate you being here. Thank we'll, you for having me. Looking forward to the wedding this weekend. It's oh, going gonna to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Folks, we'll be back tomorrow night. Talk to you then. Joey Clark.